Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. Welcome to this edition of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This week, I'm really thinking about how it is that you get to do the thing that you love, even if it's the thing that maybe other people don't think you should be doing. So I wanted to introduce you to somebody who I've met recently, who has really inspired me with her story about why she does what she does and how she got to that place. So hello, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> so do you want to do you want to tell us a bit about what it is that you do now? So now, and how we met, obviously, is I'm a self-employed cleaner. So I only started it in September of last year, but yeah. I've been an obsessive cleaner within my own house on and off my my whole life. That probably stems along the lines of the mental health issues that we'll talk about as well. I've been a police officer. I've been mm -hmm. a waitress. I've owned my own dance company in Northern Ireland. I've done all sorts, but now I'm a cleaner, and it's the first time in my life that I can honestly say, I can do this, like, as in, I'll be happy doing this. I love doing it for people. Don't get me wrong, I have days where I'm like, oh, got to go to work, but I think everybody has that. But in general, I love doing it. I'm doing it for myself. I'm good at it, so <laughs> it works quite well. Yeah, you are really, really good at it. Yeah, I seem to be. Um, I think it's just yeah. because, like, I get a bit obsessed with things, so that kind of helps a little bit <laughs> as well. So my brother was like, I never knew why you didn't become a cleaner. And I must admit, when he said it to me, my first thought was, oh, God, I could never be a cleaner sort of thing. And it's almost like a snobby thing. I think I was a bit snobby about I wouldn't be a cleaner. I couldn't do that now. And obviously at the time, I had these dreams of being like, I wanted to go into psychology and study psychology because I've always been fascinated with how the brain works and obviously probably because of my own mental health issues as well, always trying to find out what's wrong with me and that kind of led me down that path. It was like, no, I need to go into higher education. I need to be this type of person, you know, wear these type of clothes because that was the way I thought I needed to be. That was what was expected of me almost by family of high achievers mm. they probably don't expect that of me but in my mind that you know I've got high achiever brothers and you know they earn a lot of money they drive nice cars they have nice houses whereas at the minute I'm a 40 year old with no property to my name very few possessions to my name apart from this business that, that <laughs> I've started so but that's really interesting that you're one of the things that stopped you getting to where you are now more quickly is what you thought other people would think of it. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably. Um, you know, I think I did want to go down the, the academic route as well, partly because I felt like I had something to prove. But again, hmm. I felt like I had it to prove to myself. I've since learned that I was actually only doing it to fit into this box that I thought my family, society everybody else expected of me yeah and it's only now that I've realized that actually I don't have to do any of that or be any of that anymore it's taken me all this time and I'm still I still have days where I revert back to the old way of thinking but I'm catching myself on quicker and realizing no I don't have to be that person anymore I can start being me 
and true to myself. Yeah, it's working well for me. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> so, so there's a few things kind of motivate us. So one of them would be passion to finding something that you really love to do. What is it that you love about cleaning? For me, it, it was initially, it's an escapism. So if I'm having a bad day, I don't do well with the bipolar. As I've got older and I've had a lot of things have triggered me. I mean, I do believe I've had it a long, long time. Yeah. But as I've got older and obviously certain things hit your life, like divorce, like, you know, loss, like this, mm. that and the other. Through the years, I also had this hormonal issue going on. So... I had PMDD, which is 5% of women are supposed to have it, 5 to 8% of women. Yeah. So what is PMDD? That's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Right. The easiest way to describe it is like an intolerance to your own fluctuations in your hormone level. And so it can initially start, start for me as a teenager, whereby... I would have the most horrific periods. I mean, yeah. horrific, as in I wouldn't be able to walk. The The blood loss would be very heavy. I'd have to take time off school. I'd be sick. I wouldn't be able to eat the bloating. I would look pregnant. You know, mm. I was tiny. Back then I was this tiny little skinny horse rider sort of thing. And then yeah. all of a sudden my stomach would be out. I'd look pregnant for, for maybe four days before I would cry for no reason, like a lot of people, but it would be worse. It would be, if I spilt a cup of tea, mm. that would be five hours of crying and crying until I was physically sick. It was quite a bad experience as a yeah. teenager, and I had that quite regular for many years. And It went away when I had my children. That's normal because you don't have the fluctuations yeah. of hormones anymore. You just have a steady level going on. But it, again, also got gradually worse the premenstrual issue then started getting worse and worse. So instead of just three or four days prior to my hysterectomy four years ago now, I had got to a point where 21 days of the month I was ill. Well, that was, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been, this was bit. all in the years after the police because prior to that I'd mm. been in the police because they were like, well, you've been successful, you've had this. Because I went from being... In eight years, I joined the police. Obviously, I was a senior constable in response and everything. It was pretty big stuff over there, going to bomb calls, going to stabbings, going to, you know, all sorts of mm. stuff. And then I did all my exams and everything and I became a detective. Yeah. And I, rather than going into CID, nobody wants to go into child abuse, but mm. I had a real interest in it, actually. So I ended up going into child abuse and then it was a year after that. And I don't, everybody said to me, oh, it was probably the stress of the child abuse. I loved that job. I was yeah. made for that job. And while I was well and while my life was well and I had... I didn't, you know, I, I was going through a steady phase and everything because I was there a year. It was brilliant. So this isn't the first job that you've loved? No. So what was it about the police that you... That I you joined liked? the police to to help people. <laughs> the problems that people have go a lot deeper than anything that we we can do. So you don't you don't actually help people. And the system's broken and mm. we could get into the whole obviously I've been educated a bit since so you could get into the whole um what is really a crime and what is not a crime and what crimes do we punish as a justice system. It was all of that that I was thinking about because I, I noticed, even in the police, I didn't understand it, but I noticed most of the people would punish are poor people. Most of the crimes that we have that we hold as horrible, terrible crimes are poor people crimes. Yeah. And the way we handle poor people crimes is different. And I don't know, none of it, it all stunk a bit to me. And I noticed if you went... If you went to court, for example, like we, we had people go into court in what we would have called the best Sunday tracksuit. And it's, it, it is kind of offensive, but 
Mm. Um, that's the way it was there. But those people's tracksuits cost more than a suit anyway. Yeah. But they would go like that, turning up, probably never worked a day in their life. They were constantly committing crime, et cetera, et cetera. And nothing was done to get to the root cause of why that kept happening. And they would get off time and time and time and time again. And then somebody who's, you know, like somebody middle class, say, who genuinely just made a mistake and it was their first time ever doing anything wrong would turn up in court with a suit and the judge would see they've got a job they've got this they've got mm. that and they'd get hit harder and that to me wasn't fair either right there's a lot of unfairness and i think that i think in the end i actually the straw that bo broke the camel's back and why i left the police was watching an inspector handle and it wasn't yeah. that he did anything terrible it was just how he spoke to a to parents of a sudden death baby that was it and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I went sick the next day and I never went back. But underneath that was something about your real sense of, of values. Yeah, so probably. You, so you'd gone into the police wanting to help people. Yeah. And can you remember what it was about helping people that was... Well, ultimately, I always wanted to get into the either the child abuse unit or the sexual crimes unit. And I think right. that's because I'd um, not been abused as a child as such, but I'd, I'd had instances where I'd been taken advantage of and badly sexually assaulted all through my teens really but yeah. probably because of my own issues because I was a bit of a tear away I was on the f on the face of it everybody thought I was a lovely perfect angelic little child <laughs> but um no I was I was quite badly behaved I drank a lot of alcohol I used to go out I was I was uh, probably quite uh, I don't, what's the word Sounds like you've made yourself quite vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably because of my upbringing. And it's nothing, I love my parents and my parents are really good people and I know yeah. they love me. But because of their upbringing, obviously I've studied a bit of psychology, so I understand mm. it a bit better now. Because of their upbringing, they brought their problems to my table and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I understand all that now, but that's why I was vulnerable. I had a very authoritarian army major father who didn't let me breathe. I grew up in a house with three brothers. I was the girl who, I was a tomboy because I had to act like my brothers and that's how we were brought up and we got stuck in and all the rest of it. But at the same time, we weren't, we weren't nurtured in lots of ways, but we were brought up in a household very much. If you cried, you'd get told, I'll give you something to cry about. But obviously that led to that. Then obviously those things that happened to me, I wanted to basically catch people who did that sort of thing and preyed on people. That's what I wanted to do. And I wanted yeah. to be able to help the victims and see it, you know. So, yeah, that's why yeah. I got into it, really. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's interesting. It's interesting that you talk about, like, how things were at home and some of the, some of the legacies of that. Yeah. And I wonder, obviously, you started to unpick some of those things. Yeah, it's, it's taken me now 40 years, but... The funny thing is, as I'm unpicking my stuff, I'm now realising where I've gone wrong with my two eldest children. Right. Really important because I, I feel a lot of guilt. I'm, I'm, I've always been like somebody who feels a lot of guilt about everything, you know, um, mm. and I do feel a lot of guilt. I can forgive myself now for it, as in like try and talk to myself because I'm trying to learn to talk to myself in the parenting voice. Right. Yeah, so not talking to my inner child the way my parents used to talk to me but trying to talk to my inner child the way I would respond to a child sort of thing or I would yeah. hope to respond to a child when I'm feeling good you know feeling fine and everything and you can you can have the appropriate responses but by doing that 
it's starting to reverse things yeah a little bit but it's taken a long time i mean i've started on this process about four four or five maybe longer years ago to try to actually sort things out if i'm honest i thought i was going to have the hysterectomy and be magically uh, mm. 100% functioning fully functioning adult <laughs> but yeah that didn't happen <laughs> it does sound though like having had the hysterectomy and having had some relief from some of that stuff yeah but actually that created some oh. space for you yeah to be able to begin to do the work on yourself to yeah help definitely to I wouldn't have been able I, yeah. to, if I'd have stopped true to myself when I was younger and who I was sort of as I was getting married and stuff I'd be a lot further on in this process mm. but I've literally I'd completely lost myself, completely lost my way with everything. And it, actually coronavirus and lockdown also gave me the space to figure it all out because yeah. then I had nothing else to do but to take the dogs for walks and to get out with nature and, yeah, sitting back through all that and realising what do you need to be happy? Well, I realised straight away I don't need a degree to yeah. be happy that was causing me a lot of stress that impacted my mental health that's when I got diagnosed when I started doing the degree right because the stress yeah. and because I'm a perfectionist mm. the stress of trying to be a perfectionist so when I wrote my first essay and got what did I get 69% on the first it wasn't the first pro on the first proper essay I got like 80 something percent that's and that good. wasn't good enough right and then on the first other piece of written work I got 69% and I was furious with myself, like absolutely furious. And I actually booked and went to see the person who'd marked it to find out what I'd done wrong. And she was like puzzled, looking at me like, what's what's wrong? You've just got a really good She was like, really that's good a mark. really, really good mark. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's not. It's 69%. <laughs> that's terrible. But that's the way we were also brought up as well. Right. Yeah. When we were expected to have very high standards and if we didn't do well on a test why haven't you done well on a test so that's been one of the kind of that's been <clears> one <throat> of the sort of um standards that you've internalized and then been trying to live up to yeah that kind of it has to be perfect and i have to be the best yeah yeah and it's very and we we were very competitive as children we were me and my two younger brothers yeah it was everything was so competitive the world's not built for people who are different and who think different and all the rest of it. And the thing is, I kept like going backwards and forwards and trying to figure out exactly what was wrong. And now I'm at a point where like, it doesn't actually matter what is wrong. I know that I'm different. I know my brain works different. So I've started learning my triggers and things like that as well. Yeah. Which is another reason why I clean because right. people trigger me massively. People trigger me so, so bad. So what, when you say people trigger you, what does that so look like? So if, Somebody, so for example, my friends can trigger me um, if I'm always going out of my way for people. Because if, if I, so if I've got friends or I'm really close to somebody, I'll go out of my way for you. I'll do anything for you. I'll bend over backwards if the same isn't reciprocated. And I don't mean like it has to be all the time because I very rarely ask for anything. Yeah. But that will upset me and that can trigger like a downward spiral then in thoughts and depression can be can be. I got married at 18. I had my first baby just before my 19th birthday. Mm. I um, had my second baby at 21. I joined the police at 25. Mm. As soon as I left that, I started running a horse riding yard. <laughs> then, I, then I went to college at the same time. And as while doing that, I was working in bars to also fund me. Then I went to uni 
full-time and was working full-time and running a household on my own because at this point um, me and my partner couldn't live together because of issues with my illness and also yeah. my son's ADHD. So I've never had a time. So COVID, for me, I know a lot of people it's been terrible, but for me it was the best thing to ever happen because for once I I couldn't do the uni work because I went into a, high, a manic episode. So yeah. I couldn't sit down to do the uni work. So I ended up having to go sick from uni as well. And rather than stressing, I just went, do you know what? I mean, I didn't even get round to do schoolwork. We just went out every day and did random things. And I tried doing the schoolwork and it was just pressure and stress. Yeah. And he didn't, he was getting stressed and he has his own little meltdowns because mm. he's picked up my perfection. I don't have that, I don't like demand results off him yeah but he's picked up my perfectionism thing as well so he melts down if he thinks like he could get 99 questions out of 100 right and one question would upset him being wrong you know um so and i suppose it's always been alongside all that part of my drive to figure out what's going on has been to try and fix this these problems with like ryan's only 10 i have a yeah. chance to make sure that he doesn't end up with my problems if I can try and hold everything together. But yeah, COVID gave me that chance to sit back and just go, do you know what? I don't need a big house. I, I'm mm. quite happy to live in a little terrace and not be bothered with a huge mortgage and stress. And we, we literally ended up having to sit back and go, what can I do? that's going to give me enough money to be able mm. to still go on holiday, have my little terrace, still, you know, treat my kids and stuff like that, but not have stress anymore. And yeah. that's literally what we've we've come down to. And it was, was the cleaning. But, like, I thought I'd have got bored of it by now, if I'm being honest, because yeah. I do have crazy hairbrush ideas and <laughs> I'm always, like, coming up with a new scheme and stuff like that. Again, that's the... The, probably the bipolar when you go manic you get very yeah. creative and all the rest of it but no I'm happy and I haven't had a depressive episode this winter which is good mm -hmm. and that must mean that the job's helping because I normally I'm manic all summer and then I crash all winter basically you yeah know, so but hasn't happened this year started feeling a bit tired recently but we're coming out of winter now so yeah <laughs> so yeah, we're all yeah. right yeah yeah so one of the things that has been really helpful has been just letting go of all of those expectations of what you ought to be striving for. And that's kind of, again, that's giving you space to think, okay, what is it that I want? Yeah, there's that. And I think, to say it, like, I don't feel like I'm an adult. This is weird, right? I don't feel right. like I adult very well. This is crazy given that I've now raised two and a half children yeah. and that I've got a granddaughter and I've been in the police and I was a successful police officer. Yeah. I held it. I actually think it was that that caused the big breakdown. Having to hold it together for eight years yeah. and be so professional and deal with the stuff that I had to deal with as well. I mean, I was in Belfast and it's not all as calm as what everybody thinks it is. It's no. it's a different, it is a bit of a different world, especially when you're in the police. But I loved it. I was good at mm -hmm. it. It was a job that I, I got up for every day. But I actually think that stress of having to hold it together and live within these, because you have to behave a certain way as a police officer and be a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. I think that all helped to that massive implosion that I had that led to me leaving. 
you know, and I think it's taken me, so that was, I left in 2013, so that's like eight years ago, is that? Yeah. I'm only just starting to get well now, but crazily, I didn't leave for me, I, I just, I didn't know there was anything wrong with me, so I just kind of jumped ship. Yeah. And cr crazily, I could have been on a medical pension right now, <laughs> which would have helped, but hey-ho, that's life. Yeah. You know? Um, I feel like everything happens for a reason, though, at the end of the day. You know, I was supposed to, uh, you know, a lot of people in the police say that it helped them, me being in there with them. And I know mm -hmm. I did good with a lot of my victims and things like that. And well, even with the people that I had to, you know, send to the judge or what have you, I was always respectful, kind and all the rest of it. And so I know I was good at my job. Yeah. Do I wish I was still in? Sometimes I miss the money. The money was yeah. good. But no, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back. Actually, I don't think I'd change it. I think I'd still be saying, actually, I want to do this cleaning business now. It's more for me. I don't think, I think as I'm getting older and I've had all these breakdowns, like I was working in care more recently, that absolutely disgusted me. Right. In care. Oh, that was awful. I was good at that as well. And I blooming loved that too. I felt like yeah. it was made for me. Like yeah. I could really help people there because... I could talk to the people I was dealing with from some level of understanding yeah. because some of the things that they did, I do. So what, what kind of care sector were you in? I was in, I was in um, well, it was supposed to be low secure hospital for, it was supposed to be for learning difficulties and autism for adults. Right. I loved it. Chris hated me doing it. Oh, gosh. Because he thought he could see what it was doing to me right. <laughs> because I care too much. And that sounds strange because you're in care, but actually it's no good to care too much if you're in care. <laughs> I did that and I loved it. And then when that place got, luckily it got closed down and I was going to jump straight back into that. Yeah. Because I can literally work two or three days a week and make good money. Off yeah. It, you know, decent enough money for me. But um, I realised after like a week or two away from it that it was making me ill, like really ill. Very, very ill. I was probably heading for a mental breakdown again. I might have ended up in hospital this time. So, yeah. you know, so in a way that that worked good. And then, yeah, I was just thinking, what do you do from here? And cleaning. And I think it works because when you've got a very active brain like I have, being able to say, come here and you stay out, you know, we say hello and yeah. everything and that's fine. I like the interaction because I miss yeah. the interaction with people because I am a people person. And we have this interaction and then you go out on my way or you go out or what have you. And I just put my music on. Mm. So even if I'm having a terrible day, I might just say hello. Or if I'm not feeling great, I might just say hello and go straight up without having much of a conversation. But then I'll put my music on. And after I've done two or three hours cleaning, I'm okay. It's fine. Yeah. And I feel a lot better. So... Just it's cathartic. Yeah. So it so it really it it's it really works with your managing of your own mental health issues. There are things about it that really There are things that fits that, with that. There are things I've got to get better at. Like I don't I don't know if I did it with you to start with, but like incessant having to ask new clients and to start with whether they're happy mm. or whether everything's okay. Or like having a little freak out and having to fit phone film because obviously I started with the agency first, having to phone yeah. Phil and be like, you know, I'm freaking out sort of thing, and then being like, you're being daft, you know. So I do, I do have issues, but this is something I've got to manage myself, and because of the awareness I've learned from doing the psychology and from learning more about myself, 
I am starting to catch myself with it. But there's a lot of freedom, isn't there, in knowing, okay, this feels really awful. Like with your partner this morning, this feels really awful, but I know I'm overreacting. So I can kind of ride the wave of this. Yeah, yeah, and I know it's going to pass. Yeah. You know, because emotions, that's what we've got to teach ourselves, basically, isn't it? That all emotions pass. Yeah. I I quite, um, like, I'm not really into religion and stuff. I won't lie. I I won't lie about that. I'm not really into religion, but I started, I'm I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. I'm not into it. Like, I think, like, the the way Christianity is and your commandments and stuff, yeah, nice ways to live and to not, but I live like that anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't need religion to tell me to live like that because I live like that anyway. I you want to tell you what helped? Coming into other people's houses and realising everybody's the same. <laughs> because I always used to, because when I was in the police, yeah. now for times of it, I was a single mum. I had my, my divorce and everything in that time. Then I worked my 40 hours, but you could. I didn't do a lot of overtime, but I could do 50 hours a week. Yeah. Plus I had three children at home plus I was raising them on my own plus I did all the cooking all the cleaning my house was immaculate Mm. there was always a fresh cooked meal on the table like every day and that was always done but every single day I was upstairs screaming into a pillow crying because I couldn't make my ADHD son eat the mashed potato do you know what I mean so well was that success I felt successful at the time yeah like as in like when I was this person and people, well, obviously over there, you can't really say you're a police officer, but yeah. you, all police officers become all your friends and then people respect you because you're a police officer. And I don't know, that was like everything. That was like my identity. That was everything type thing and running this perfect house. And then I moved over here and I got, got back in with my horses because that's also a love yeah. of mine. And then it was like, the house was never clean because it was always full of hay. And if it was a choice between cleaning the house or going down to groom my mm. horse, I'd go and groom my horse. But that was like escapism. That was me trying to get it out of the house because yeah. I couldn't cope. But at the same time, on the surface, everybody thought I was really successful. So there's lots of opportunities to practice that self-compassion. Yeah, there? yeah. Yeah, well, there is. And I'm getting better. I've started yoga recently. Yeah. And yeah, like I say, obviously going into other people's houses, like I'd literally got to a stage where I was barely cooking. We were eating five takeaways a week. It was, you know, and yeah. I'm literally sitting thinking to myself, you used to be a police officer who did 50 hours a week, who went to the gym, who had a clean house, who, you know, and then I'm thinking, yeah, but were you happy? I don't actually think I was. Now I'm like kind of embracing the fact that I don't think I'm ever going to have it together. I don't think anybody does, do you? I don't know. Maybe I don't want to. Maybe it's more interesting not to have it get together. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But like I say, coming in then to other people's houses and being like, everybody's struggling in some way. Like Chris would be like, my partner would be like, as I'm cleaning, like disgusted when we moved the fridge freezer out and I was disgusted at that bit of dust that was behind it. And he's like, Rachel, it's not even that bad because I know you've pulled that out in the three years we've been here. He said, trust me, I used to be a painter and decorator. Nobody does that. Yeah. And I'm like, why has it always been so important that that's done? Mm. Like, why does it matter? That's how I'm starting to get now. I used to freak out at the kids, you know, like I'd literally walk in the house and somebody's shoes are at the door. That could have triggered me, mm. you know, before we knew I had bipolar. And my kids got the brunt of that because that that immediate switch would have been, you never, you never do this. You never tidy your room. You're always leaving me a mess. I do everything. And then they get the full brunt of all yeah. my frustrations and everything. So whereas now with Ryan and obviously I'm doing the cleaning, I'm not I'm not having that. I've actually 
Somebody else cleans my house two hours a week now. It's great. Brilliant. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know, people are like, you're a cleaner. Why don't you clean your own house? Because I don't like cleaning my own house because then they all mess it up and it annoys me. But no, we, like I say, we pay somebody else to clean our house now as well, which then takes that pressure off at home and all that argument and the cleaning. If I'm in a really rubbish mood in the morning, by the time I've finished, it's very rare that mm. I'm still in that bad mood. It's really interesting that you're talking about the fact that actually you'd had an image of other people being perfect. And in fact, walking into other people's private spaces, you're not getting the Facebook image, are you, of here we are perfect. And it's been great. And people are apologising to me and being (laughs) like, well, you know, excuse it. And I'm like, seriously, don't be embarrassed about it. I love it. I love a grubby house going in and seeing what I can do to it. That's to me, that's... The week-in, week-out stuff is nice. You know, you obviously yeah. build it up. And that's why I think I prefer doing it with sh- with Sham, though, because you're in and out quicker. And then it's it's yeah. it's more stimulating for me as such. Keeps me more interested. But I really like the stuff, like, when you get your new client. And, and it's a total nightmare. And they don't know what they're going to yeah. do with it. Some of them aren't like that. Some people, you know, they've had cleaners years or what have you. Yeah. And their house is immaculate. Anyway, you walk, in fact, Sham walked into one or two of ours and went, they don't need a cleaner. And I was like, well, we have to keep it like this. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to keep it like this. You know, she didn't understand that. But yeah, going in and just being able to do that, like I have one client and he was my first private client because obviously yeah. I met you through the agency yeah. and now I've, I've moved on and I'm also doing my private clients. And he was my first one and I got it off some website. I just put an advert and I was the first person that had said to him in the message, I can call you to discuss your requirements. Right. Whereas everybody else had literally said, when have I got the job? More or less. So that's why he phoned me. Yeah, his place was carnage. He works away six weeks. Right. Then he's home four weeks. But while he's at home, he also works from home whilst having these two hyperactive little kids, you know. Um, And it was carnage. Like when we went in there, it was absolute carnage. And he, he's like, I don't, I can't manage without you and Sham now. Hmm. like he's literally said like he knows obviously about my scope for the business and stuff like that and he's like look he sent me a text actually not long after I'd started with him and he was like look you've, you've got plans I have a feeling you're going to make a good business of this but will you just make sure it's always either you or Shan that comes to my house please <laughs> so I thought that was quite nice so one of the things that you've kind of come back to a few times in terms of your values and stuff that you really care about is this thing about wanting to help people and be yeah, helpful I like help I like being help I think it's like part of my nature just to be helpful I remember as a kid probably to my brother's dismay probably maybe being the only mm-hmm. girl but like it was always I was the teacher teaching them something or I was doing the mom looking yeah. after them that was always the way it was from a young age and then at I mean, I started work at 12. I had babysitting jobs. At 10 years old, I was looking after my younger brothers. At 11 years old, I was making full roast dinners. At 12 years old, I was looking after a newborn baby and working in a spa shop. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've just always, like, I've always liked to be busy and I've always been looking after people. And then mum did the horse ride and mum had a horse ride in stables. Yeah. And I used to have to help all the youngsters. And so it's just always been the way I've been, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, but it was the thing that kind of led you into the police and the thing that you liked about the caring. And I'm wondering, it sounds like you're talking about um, your client whose house, as you but it was carnage, and it. I'm. I'm wondering if that sort of helping people out is one of the things. Yeah, that makes it, it is. It's, yeah, it is. It's like to know 
that I'm helping. So if I thought mm. somebody wasn't happy, that would really upset me. And that will yeah. be my biggest thing. Because at some point, somebody's not going to be happy. You can't. It's impossible for me to think that I can 100% yeah. please everybody all the time. Yeah. And I have to learn to let go of that. And I have noticed, so I got a text earlier, somebody asking me if I would do the windows. Now, that's not a big deal, is it? But for me, that triggers, do they think I don't do the windows? Hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, but I do the windows already. So, so in my mind, that then triggers all this overthinking that comes with it. But I've caught myself on with it today and I'm aware yeah. that I'm doing it now, if that makes sense. So hopefully it won't seem so crazy to other people. Maybe. <laughs> Eventually it might not seem so crazy to other people. I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of people overthink like that and that pattern of something triggering feelings that you're sort of quite sensitive to, like from often from childhood. And that thing that, you, well, you know it's a trigger because somebody said, can I do my windows? And then you're into, the world is going to hate me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like loads of people had this image of me as being perfect mm. and always holding everything together. And like, even when me and my, my marriage broke up, everybody mm. was amazed. They were like, oh my God, we thought you were so, everything was perfect because I'd created that. Whereas now I'm less likely to do that. It sounds as well as though you've got a level of peace from having let go of... It's getting there, yeah. It's definitely getting there. Definitely. I enjoy my job. Don't mind going to work. So I, like, I haven't woken up and not wanted to go to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I haven't done that since I started. I think that's then given me the time to also be thinking about all of this stuff because I have a lot of time to th think now. But whereas before I was in this, there's overthinking about things and then there's a vicious cycle of overthinking about things and what I used to do was so say that you've got like a tiny problem yeah and then it's triggered something in me when I was unwell especially with the hormonal issues or when I've got my bipolar because literally I'm a different per you'd be speaking to a different person if I was on a manic or mm. you know not very well or what have you um but you start the cycle of overthinking and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger but none of it makes any sense yeah because like i literally sat and written it all down one day like instead of overthinking that's one mm -hmm. of the ways that i stop it yeah um and i just let my hand write and write and write none of it made any sense it all went from one thing to the next to the next to the next nothing tied in and it's just like this big ball of stuff that's getting more and more out of control that's a different type of overthinking i'm not doing that anymore no you know um i'm coming to work I'll think about it I can even do this thing now where I'll go because I was overthinking last week about the relationship and I was starting to spiral and especially this time of year I spiral anyway and traditionally this time of year I end my relationship and go on a manic episode <laughs> um so but I'm aware of that yeah. so rather than just slightest problem throw in the towel and do a runner which is what I normally do and he always waits around and lets me come back when I'm ready yeah. sort of thing. This time we've stayed with it and we've, you know, been talking. But I've only been able to do that because I've been doing sensible thinking. And like yeah. I say, I've also started this new thing of, okay, when I was doing all the overthinking, right, we've done that now. Yeah. If you want to overthink it, let's overthink it for half an hour later. Right. And that's what I've started trying to do. And that's helping as well. But So you... So are you saying you you sort of say, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to think about this, yeah, for the next half hour. But I can do it at nine o'clock tonight or at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Right. Okay. And then then I set aside that time to over to to do it. And normally, 
like once you've done that you don't actually need to do it anyway but yeah it's that's how I stopped the over because I was starting to get into a cycle last week it's all come from the stress of the move everything stresses me out I can get ill going on holiday right because the stress of having to get ready for going on holiday will trigger an episode Hmm. yeah Um, and a manic episode it can mean all different things it can be being completely hyper thinking that you can become a doctor and start a new uni course and do this you know um to and to being very happy to spending all my cash on a new bulldog you know things like that I do um or like I say throw away my relationship that sort of thing um but yeah so far that because of I believe it's because of the cleaning and being able to think about all this stuff. And, you know, obviously it's it's not just the cleaning. There's been the years that have led up to oh, how we've got here. But I do think that it is helping an awful lot. That is actually one of the things that people find really motivating, though, is having autonomy. So being able to be in control of your own destiny and and listening to what you've said about previous things actually one of the things that really bugged you both about the police and the care situation was that other people's not having the same values that you held and doing yeah, that things really that affects me people yeah. not having the same values but i mean i'm coming it to learn i'm people. coming to learn that now that that um everybody's allowed to have their own values that's fine but i mean i've i, I do have to step away from some people i mean yeah yeah I don't think I'd go back. I don't think I don't think if somebody said to me you could go and join the police now, hmm. I wouldn't I no. wouldn't go back. For me it's not worth it. Now I can get up in the morning. Like yesterday we had to switch around a few jobs and stuff, so I was able to do that, then still be home on time for finishing school. Hmm. So I'm I'm home in there with him for a few hours before anybody else gets home. If something does go terribly wrong, well, and I have to get home for him. I'm not having to ask somebody else. I just go and do it and send the customer a text and apologise, you know. Yeah. And I'm not kind of beholden to anybody because that's something other people's pressure isn't good for me either and expectations. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's working. Brilliant. It's yeah. really good. Sorry, I ramble a lot. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's I get good. lost. It's good. Thank you. That's good. That's okay. Brilliant. <sighs> Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course, or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening.